0: Everybody. Welcome to another episode of The B-Side for the Film Stage. As always and as ever, I am Dan Mecca, joined here with Connor O'Donnell. Uh, here we talk about movie stars, not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And today, as as our luck continues with the people we've been able to get on this podcast, um, we are honored to to sneak in a quick, uh, shorter but sweeter episode with the one and only Adrian Brody who was kind enough to come on our podcast for kind of a, a solid, you know, just under 20 minutes to talk about his new movie Clean which as you are listening is available on VOD and in theaters, right? Uh Friday, January 28th is when it became available, so if you are listening, it is available to go see. It's right
1: there, you can watch, you can watch.
0: See, yeah. see it out if there's a theater nearby, rent it if that's your easier easier safer option. Um as you'll hear, um, Adrian Brody talks about this one's pretty personal. He really was involved in getting it made. He, he basically says this movie is the thing he's been the most involved with getting made. Right, It's from just getting the money to... Doing the score, to co-writing the script, to obviously starring the film, so he was, you know, very involved. They filmed in Utica, which we mentioned in our interview. Me and Connor know Utica pretty well, uh, going to school in Buffalo and, and growing up in quote unquote Upstate New York, which is an hour north of New York City. But that any, anybody, <laughs> if anybody from New York calls it Upstate New York, which still doesn't make any sense, but I do it, whatever. Um, yeah, great conversation, right, Connor? We, yeah. I, I think we'll jump into the conversation early but to set it up right it's a quick one mm-hmm. so b-side wise we talk about clean and we track back 20 years to talk about love the hard way which is a movie that uh, brody himself says is one of his favorites and it's a movie that i uh, as a younger as a teenager essentially who was kind of starting to think about writing and film and you know maybe writing plays or writing movies and you know kind of as I was getting into that element or considering it in my own life I discovered Love the Hard Way and it was very um formative for me so we talk about that that's our like main b-side and we mention a few others uh, which we can get into after you listen
1: uh Connor what am I missing anything no 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 I mean I think that's a great setup I think you know we it's you know it's I it, it the only bummer is obviously it, it and as you'll hear it it feels like we could have gone you know for like another twenty yeah, yeah forty five minutes with them uh, yeah we try to be courteous
0: right you know yeah. look like publicists <laughs> and you know they 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 are they're doing their job and they want their schedules and there's a, tons of journalists trying to get in their interviews so we try to be considerate of that that being said yeah you'll hear.
1: It's a I good, think if like is,
0: it's a, it's a good, mean yes. uh, conversation. I so. think if we dipped into Cadillac Records for another 10, like, <laughs> if I if had pivoted and talked about Leonard Chess and working with Beyonce, that could, I mean, we could have spark-plugged. I mean, that could have sure. just, because that's one of, I mean, we'll get into it, but, like, I mean, he, I'll even say, even, even though we prepare for these things, and we do, even while talking to him, looking at his filmography, I was, like, reminded how many movies he's yeah fit into the B side parameters and are very good and he leads. I mean, it's kind of. I was like kind of shocked. We'll talk about it after you listen to the interview, but but kind of a sneaky um B side legend to be honest. Um, so, yeah, Connor, I'll pass it to you to throw in the
1: interview and then we'll we'll talk to you guys after. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, again, thanks everybody for for tuning in as usual. Like we mentioned, it's a nice little conversation. So, without further ado, here is us talking with the writer, star, producer, and composer of Clean, Adrian Brody.
0: Thank you for being here, uh, Adrian. Uh, Clean is Thank the you. movie, you know, that um, if you're listening is out now. And this is so, so I can I, tell us a little bit about the movie. I mean, the, the things that came to mind watching it, right. There's, you, there's a little bit of Ghost Dog Way the Samurai, a little bit of You are Never Really Here. And right? it's kind of this, there's an element of like, there's a lot going on. It's a very quiet performance for a lot of it. It ramps up of course. How did it all come together? Obviously you have a writing credit on it. I think you did the score. So just tell us a little bit about Clean.
2: Well, I mean, this is a, a movie and a, and a I guess a character that I've been yearning to play for a very long time and and I, uh, an iteration of this has been in, in my heart for well over a decade and I approached Paul Solette, my writing partner, on it, and um, pitched him some ideas about this um, and had asked him to come and help me write this and to direct it. And um, my production company produced it. I pulled together the financing. We set out to make something that we both feel is very unique. And um, again, this is a... This stemmed from a deep yearning to play a very complex, uh, tragic, flawed human being that is heroic in spite of those flaws. And someone reeling from tremendous guilt and, um, you know, uh, a lack of, uh, forgiveness for for his failings in society and also as a father and um, he's on the road to redemption and sacrifice is a lot and gives back both in a physical sense and cleaning up the neighborhood and working as a trash collector and upcycling things, yeah, he repairing finds things yeah. and, lim- and living in a real humble um positive life uh and you know combating his demons and and as he's mentoring this girl he he ends up needing to i guess resort to the uh violent tendencies that he's deeply trying to suppress in order to protect her and ultimately leads to a greater conflict and um he probably does more good (laughs) with, you know, with opening up that, that dark past. And, um, you know, that, that's very exciting to me. So that's been something I've, I've just, I've been really wanting to do and uh, we had to make it, we had to make it. (laughs) No, and it's awesome. (laughs) I I didn't didn't find it. It wasn't coming to me, you know, and and I love, I love the references you made. Like I love ghost dog and I love, you know, I love those films and, and the genre. I just wanted to create some complexity and, I guess, artistry within that and complexity with the character and then still be entertaining and reference a lot that's fucked up in this world around us and and in our great nation, all the inequality and the, and the hardship for, for people, especially impoverished children. Uh, you know, how hard it is to, to come out of that.
0: No. And I think to your, to your point, I mean, there's, there's an element, you know, there's a, uh, this is an easy, I, I suppose, comp. But there's a there's a '70s quality to what you're talking about, where it, there's it's a socially minded picture that still exists in kind of a genre space where it's like you're tackling a lot, you know, um, a lot of issues, but but then it still ultimately can be a piece of entertainment that you know it, nothing's exactly. lost right nothing's lost on that side of the street either
2: exactly. and i just wanted to yeah. point out
0: where we're two kids who went to buffalo for school so it seemed like you shot in utica
2: right uh yeah i'm actually yeah. in utica right now I'm oh in are utica you right okay yeah.
0: utica i mean right connor utica is when you're yes, driving right. to buffalo you, you drive <laughs> yeah. right through utica <laughs> i'm looking
2: out i'm looking out at the in incessant snowfall and yes, you know sure. Was, sure. you know we we're we, you know i just came up to see some of my people who helped make this movie and and uh that's awesome. You know, I've got an amazing rapper who's contributed a lot to the to the to the film, and he's in the film, and you know, he's just amazing. So, yeah, it's just been great. You know, it's um, you know, and and it's a very real place, and but so is Buffalo, and so is all of it. You know, this is and it's, yeah. it's I also, as a New Yorker, and you know, deeply influenced by growing up in Queens, and 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 also the rural areas of coming up state my whole life. You know, I. I also felt a responsibility to kind of show that that yeah. isolation that people feel and and just, you know, uh, there's just so much to, to, to get in there that I do feel is socially relevant as well as, you know, uh, cinematic for, for, for that matter.
0: Yeah, and it's just cool to see it. Yeah, to your point, it's cool to see a city like that highlighted because it's not – I mean – I'll use it to segue into the, the B-side we're going to focus on, uh, mm-hmm. which is Love the Hard Way from, from you know, I think really 20 years ago, which is crazy to think about. But, um, but, you know, yeah, Utica for In Clean is so beautifully rendered and it's nice to see a town like that where you're right, it's like a very specific part of a state that most people think of as only a city right and then it's like Mm -hmm. there's this whole other state right new york which Mm -hmm. is like nothing like you know new york city um which so it's nice to see that highlighted um so love the hard way which is certainly a b-side but but a good solid indie film during a time when we and connor were kind of talking about this the, there was a boon for the indie scene but it was like there was a lot of different elements of it right i mean i think you can probably speak to this adrian i mean so so just for context love the hard way i think i caught it on like encore you know like in my yeah. when i was growing up and it was like a late night you know it was on you know probably 11:30 and i it like blew me away just cuz it was pretty early on in me you know getting into film and you know you're the lead in it and you're this kind of small-time con man who kind of trips into a romance with a, a college student and, and things get we won't spoil it but things kind of get get yeah get complicated and, and it's such a great performance and and you're very much an anti-hero and i think that was one of my first exposures into like oh this guy's we're like rooting for this guy but nothing he's most of what he's doing isn't you know, recommend despicable. Yeah, no, I mean
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean he's, I guess, a, he's, a, he's a he's a terrible person, but he's a wonderful person, that's the thing. And then so, right, so right. is clean, right? And and you know, and, and so are a lot of people. Like we're we're all flawed. Everybody's flawed. And yeah, I mean, but I get I'm I I'm sorry. I, I guess I cut off. You, you know what? What this question was specifically, but you know what I mean. I, I just feel like that. Those are the most compelling things, and that's the beauty of independent filmmaking: is right. that you don't have to have a, an overtly heroic character and make sure that you check all the boxes so that every nation uh, can relate to you <laughs> right. uh, to recoup. You know, you can be much more um, specific and. And what I love so much about Love the Hard Way, and not take too much time on it, but Peter Zare, who was a wonderful filmmaker, he was was a dear friend and he passed away, um, who directed the film. Uh, You know, it's an adaptation of, I believe it was a a Japanese uh, book that was then banned in China and then influenced him to rewrite this as a German filmmaker about my city. And then I thought it had all these interesting influences that that kind of have woven their way into the storytelling and it was just so unique. It was so unique. And I, I really love that movie. I often highlight that as, you know, it was a real achievement. And it, and it I, it was a, it was a, the end of a, of a time that I related to that, a character like that. I wasn't necessarily Jack, but I definitely, surrounded myself with a lot of trouble in my youth and a lot Mm. of people that were, you know, also whatever, for whatever reasons involved and and attracted to that and the excitement of that. And, and, you know,
0: I related to it. Yeah. Yeah. It captures, and also, you know, I mean, you know, me and Connor, Connor still lives in New York City, and, and I, I, we both lived there for, for a decade working in film and, and whatnot, and I think we got there a little after Love the Hard Way was filmed, but it captures kind of the end of a moment in New York a little bit, right? Wouldn't you agree? It's kind of like, yeah, yeah. you know, the end of what was the club and like the 29th street, like Lime, whatever like it was Lime called. Light? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's what I think of yeah, totally. wait, when I watch Love the Hard right? I like mean, that New York, which which is no longer be, with us. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's crazy if you look at it, because it wasn't a period piece. And if you look at it, it's like New York is vastly different from what that oh is. Right. And yeah. that energy, just the taxi cabs, just the cars on the street, like it's the world has changed a lot. And, um, you know, it's cool. It's cool to have that. I love that's the beauty of film. It's it's indelible oh my God, yeah. That that's the that that stays.
1: Yeah, even just little like throwaway lines where, you know, it's like a hey, can I can I walk with you? It gets pretty dicey around here and she's like, No, I'm I'm fine or whatever. And it's like the neighborhood you're in. It's like, Well, no, she'd be fine now. <laughs> like
2: you know, like, yeah, like Well, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. still they'll be these random things going down now, too, But yes, yeah, it is a total different I don't know yeah. about right now. I don't know about right now, yeah, not sure right now. Time, like, but I know what you're saying. 2019, Manhattan, Manhattan yeah. for sure has changed. I mean, we shot <laughs> yeah. we shot in the Bronx and stuff and they, you know, whatever, yeah. but, you know, yeah, we shot in the city as well, but I, you know what I mean? I know what you're saying. Uh, yeah. It was dangerous. It was much more dangerous consistently, uh, not due to, you know, a, a, a mass pandemic, just the city right. was just wrecked. And, All right, yeah. yeah, no, exactly. Yeah.
0: I mean, so we don't have too much time, but I wanted just to highlight, I mean,
2: there,
0: you know, you have you ha, you have have this eclectic career and in the world of like what well, we do, the B-side, it's really an, envi- an enviable one. I mean, just to highlight, maybe you can, you know, spot check any of that that mean a lot to you, Adrian. I mean, like ones that I love and I kind of saw around the same time, Liberty Heights, uh, the Barry Levinson mm-hmm. film is mm-hmm. one that's kind of was underseen in kind of one of his great Baltimore movies and then bread and roses, uh, the Ken Loach movie. Another one that I think I'd recommend to everybody. It's kind of a great, you know, political film, which obviously Ken Loach, you know, and, and, um, are there any films that you kind of, I I love the hard way being one of them. Anything else? Like when you're talking to someone, you're like, Oh, you know, check, check this one. Another one, Cadillac records. My God, I love Cadillac. Oh, thanks.
2: Yeah. That's (laughs) a great movie too. It's really cool. Um, I love detachment. Have you seen yes, The Yeah, Detachment. it's a great one. So, yes. it's a great movie, you know, and and uh, you know, Tony Kaye is such a really interesting filmmaker and an artistic person and it's a really difficult movie to make, you know. It's, you know, it's about the failings of the public education system and and you know, that that too is about a guy who's I mean, he's has quite low Self-esteem, I would say, and and a lot of issues, and he m- somehow manages to muster it up in spite of all of his past trauma and things that to really help these younger people find a voice within themselves and an understanding of you know w- the importance of education and and having values, et cetera, and knowing how to um, empower themselves, uh, which you know, uh, not, are not always part of the curriculum, you know, they're not really, and, and, you know, uh, I think it's a beautiful movie. And, you know, my father was a public school teacher. He's a wonderful patient man. He was definitely patient with me, Uh, (laughs) but he, his students adored him. And God, I, you know, I, I don't have the patience that he has and I don't have the patience to educate in that sense and, and be there. But I, but I felt like making that film and doing certain films that it's, a, it is contributing to that in a positive way. And, and, uh, so that was a really meaningful experience for me to make, you know, it's a small movie. and
0: Yeah. You know. I'm glad you brought that movie up because that, that's definitely one that's worth highlighting. And yeah, and like you said, Tony K, a a very interesting filmmaker. And, and yeah, I mean, look, to, to your point, not unlike clean, not unlike, um, you know, lot of like Bread, Bread and Roses for that matter, like a lot mm-hmm. of the films yeah, you've made, there's there's issues that linger still, right? And my sister's a public school teacher as we speak in Queens and she, she would tell you, right? Like, she, you know, mm-hmm. you know the stuff they're going through now, obviously, you know, you know pandemic specific in some respects, mm-hmm. but in general is very, mm-hmm. needs it's to rough. be dealt with and it's mm-hmm. tough. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I, so bringing it back to Clean, a lot of these characters we've talked about briefly have this similarity of, complexity right and i think you know if if there's anything to take away kind of as we wrap up it's like all these films we've spotlighted clean being the one you know available you know to, to seek out and rent and whatnot as we as we're, as you're we're listening i mean the, that's your bread and butter right I mean I think it's awesome that you're seeking out to still make these movies um, you know I, you know they're they're in some ways they're easy to make with technology It's but not my God. bread
2: and butter but it is artistic, your artistic <laughs> bread and butter, yes yeah. I, I hope that storytelling yeah. in that capacity doesn't get lost in, yes in, you know what I mean like because we are uh, we're in a transition and it's a very exciting time and there's all kinds of wonderful things now and long form. Content, but the cinematic experience and the ability for an audience to see a movie like Clean in a movie theater is very far and few between. I feel really Seriously. blessed. You know, IFC has gotten behind us. We think they—they're at least quadruple, or if not, were five or six fold the amount of theaters that they were intending to come out in a limited release, and um, that—that's such a huge gift you know as an yeah. actor and someone who loves cinema Seriously. and for people because you're only going to see big 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 tentpole movies in a the theater unless yeah. you know they somehow can eke out a little bit of business and um so we make these movies not for the for the glory we make these movies to do i make them to do what feels right and to feel immersed creatively and and just like clean in his in his uh ingenuity and and rebuilding and fixing and driving through all these obstacles that's what the independent filmmaking process is and and like i said this movie took more than anything ever in my entire life as an actor and uh, working in in the movie industry i've never contributed as much as i have to this movie from my own cars, my own resources, my, my, you know, everything and all these life experiences plus a lifetime of making music. So uh, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a moment for me uh, to have that in a theater right now. I'm I'm so grateful for it. I, I, uh, I don't know how many there will be that I can do all of that and, and and, and, and spend the time and commitment to that. So very exciting.
0: Yeah. I mean, congrats on, on the film. You'll, you, you can see our positive review of it. If you're listening Great, now, you. it, will, it will have that. dropped if you're listening <laughs> on the film stage. And yeah, Adrian, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about kind of your past movies and, and the current one and, and congratulations cool. on the success.
2: Of course, man. I appreciate you guys. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be here again talking about yes. some, yeah, some other on it. Tormented soul that I'm gonna jump into yes. and you know, <laughs> we look forward to with it. the rest of the world. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank you both.
0: And there you have it, folks. Um, we hope you enjoyed that that uh brief chat. Uh we sure as heck did. Um and yeah, jumping right into it, like I you know, I, I alluded to it right before we played the interview. Adrian Brody is one of these guys um, who popped pretty early in his career, um, but was around for kind of longer than you think. Like, if we had had more time, like, he's got a great role in an early Soderbergh movie called King of the Hill, which came out in 93. Mm He's quite, I think, kind of
1: famously now one of the outfielders in In Angels in the Outfield. Oh, I thought you were making uh Okay, never mind. That's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought. Why, you think I you thought gonna you say? were going to talk about him being on the outskirts of uh, the Thin Red Line, which is sort of a, you know, now a kind of infamous thing.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. We were joking with Jordan Raup about, like, hey, what do we want to ask Adrian Brody? And obviously, the film stage, we're a huge Malik site. Yeah. Right. We love Terrence Malik. But I think it would have been uncouth, and also, and also, it's not, and also, it's not a B side, right? Obviously, to bring up the kind of the now infamous, you know, fact. I guess it is a fact that he was meant to be the lead of the Thin Red Line, and ultimately, if you've seen the Thin Red Line, is 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 just kind of another supporting actor. I mean, and granted, I think we've mentioned this in other episodes. We. It's Jim Caviezel's eyes. I mean, you see those eyes. <laughs> I don't know, um, but it is a shame. I mean, and, and I think you know George Clooney spoke about it, and 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 we don't we won't dwell on this, but I think certainly, um, for any actor who's a young actor, that would be quite devastating. So, kind of all joking aside, and for as much love as we give Terrence Malick, those things um, are interesting and painful. To reflect on, because you give your heart and soul to something. And even, I always laugh, like Sean Penn, who's kind of, he's almost the second lead of, a th- of the Thin Red Line. Years later, that kind of happened to Penn in right. The Tree of Life. And Sean Penn kind of was very critical of The Tree of Life. And I always think that's like a funny, cyclical thing of like, I don't think Sean Penn was that critical of the thin red line and like, right. He's in a lot of it. And, it, and, has right. great and scenes. that's why he's not critical of it. Right. And then, it's- and then in the tree of life, you know, he probably gave a great nuanced performance as, you know, adult Jack or, you know, whatever the, you know, I believe that's the character's name in, in the film. And, um, and is unfortunately really not in very much of it. So round and round we go, Terry Malik making, making big calls. Um, but point being he, he's around for a long time. Like, like even like I mean we I don't think we'd ever get to bring this up to him, but he was and I remember this movie. He's got a, a role in the in the Mario Van Peebles star solo. Did you ever see that, Connor? Solo? I a
1: long
0: time ago. I it's like Mario Van movie, Peebles. It's it's like it's like Mario Van Peebles soldier. Yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. Kurt Russell's soldier? It's like that. Yeah. Um, and so he's in these movies. He's in another B-side we talked about, I think, when we talked about Keanu Reeves, the last time I committed suicide, right? We talked about that. Um, He's in that. So, yeah, he's been around a long time. Obviously, Thin Red Line, kind of meant to be a breakout, isn't, unfortunately. I think Summer of Sam is, though, 99. He's great in that movie. That movie kind of gets overlooked. The, The title got a lot of shit when it came out because it's called Summer of Sam, and it's it is one of those weird titles. That's it's it's a title that reflects the time period, right, and the setting, but not really the, the, events, the plot of the so, movie. Yeah. Like, like, um, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of the killer's name. He
1: uh, Berkowitz, saying. yeah, Ber-
0: yeah sure. Berkowitz, right? Yeah, he's in the movie. Like, he's in the movie in like very s- snippety scenes, but the movie's about like. The punk scene on the Bowery in the seventies, and it's like Adrian Brody and Mira Servito and John Leguizamo, and it's like, um. But that movie, can I? That, I love that movie. Just, yes, just to say, I, I like. That's good. Th- that it's is good. a very good yeah. Spike Lee movie. Um, so I would encourage anybody to to check that out. And then, and then I, I briefly mentioned Liberty Heights, kind of an underseen Barry Levinson movie. It's his fourth, um, Baltimore film. Um, which if you know anything about Bear Levinson, the Baltimore films are Diner, Tin Men, Avalon, and then Liberty Heights. And it's basically, it goes by decades. So, um, uh, I'm just, I'm reading this off the wiki, but it's a Tetralogy Baltimore films, Levinson, his hometown, Baltimore, and the movies are set in the forties, fifties and sixties. Right. So it's like, if you watch those movies, um they're definitely of a piece. And Liberty Heights is kind of the one that gets forgotten, and it's a shame because I think it's worth checking out. Um, and that's like young Ben Foster's in that. Um Orlando Jones is in that, baby, uh, B- uh BB Newworth, Joe Mantegna, I'm just looking at David Crumhole. It's like a lot of kind of people. Um, and then um, and then we kind of get to where we started, which is he makes he makes he makes bread and roses the Ken Loach movie, which is a um, it's an LA set movie in which janitors uh, attempt to unionize um, based on I'm just reading here the Justice for Janitors campaign um, which I think the setting is when is the when is this movie set I can't remember, um, but. Um, I'm just looking it up real quick. 1990, yes, yeah, so kind of, uh, you know, 10 years 10 years earlier than when the movie was made. But anyway, and then and then basically around the time the penis is coming out, right? Um Love the Hard Way is getting made and coming out, right? So you know, it's one of those things. We didn't get a chance to get into this. I almost wanted to ask Adrian Brody. If he had
1: made Love the Hard Way. If he had
0: made Love the Hard Way early. before.
1: Yeah, that that's what I was curious about. It while seems watching, like yeah. that. Because the Love the Hard Way is in festivals
0: in 01, and ultimately it comes out in 03, which is not uncommon, obviously, as we've talked but, about And that's kind of movies. what
1: makes it click for me, is that like, he... He makes The Pianist in 01, wins his Oscar in the beginning of oh, two. Oh, oh,
0: oh, oh, Well, yeah, oh, 02, oh, three, right? It comes out and he wins. And then, and then, and then, then, yeah, like, Your Love the Hard Ways maybe get a little bit more of a push. Obviously, that movie didn't get it. We talked about it didn't get a huge push, didn't, like, make any money at the box office or anything. But like I said, I caught it um, at the right time in my life. And, yeah, it just hit me the right way. I mean, it was, you know, I lived... Uh, Obviously with my parents still You know, an hour north of the the city I only knew the city like vaguely You know, from like field trips Mm -hmm. So it's like Wanted to get down There was getting to an age Where that was something I really did want to do And like watching Love the Hard Way In like New York It felt very exotic and exciting And like I thought his performance Was very kind of exciting And like The snakeskin jacket And the hair and like all those kind of all the aesthetic things really worked for me. John Seed, I think, is very good, who plays his kind of partner in crime literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot August Deals in it, which is yeah, hysterical. Which is he's like so young. It's yeah. like. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, isn't August speaking of Malik, isn't I was August, just gonna say he's he, the lead. Isn't he the lead of uh, uh what, a, a Hidden Life? A Hidden Life, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um so anyway, that's the really that's the main b-side i mean connor
1: what did you so you had not seen love the hard way right i had not no and you know these movies are always kind of interesting to watch because i i tend to never trust the format um in terms of like you ne- you kind of especially things and what i mean by these movies is like uh uh like, like early aughts indie, indie boom early aughts movies i just never trust the format i'm watching them on because so. So many of them have been either like if they weren't huge breakout hits or whatever, they've been like poorly preserved or they get bought up in streaming rights with like other things that they're just kind of bundled into or whatever. And I particularly at this, I'm speaking to like, you know, we watched I watched it on Tubi and As did I. It just did this thing where it looks like a DVD rip, which fine, maybe that's the best you can get. But like it's like a four-three DVD rip where they didn't pan and scan, I guess, God bless, maybe. But like, they didn't. Right. They just kind of like squished it, you know. So, but I was telling you, I was. But see, I, yeah, and you were we were talking about that, and I was telling you,
0: I. I mean, who knows? Because this is so long ago. But when I caught it on like cable, which like I, it's so weird. Like for so much of my life growing up, we did not have cable, right? Like we never had HBO. We never had anything and then i don't know what happened i can't i was like asking my parents this at a certain point i think when i was just in high school which would have been around this time i think they just like got it like i just yeah. think they were just like fuck it like whatever like let's just and and, and they've always had it since so like all of a sudden I had movie channels and I was like 15 sure. yeah, and it yeah, was yeah. like Encore was like one of the ones you got and I promise you that's where I love the Hardway played and it was like it always played at 11:45 yep. you know <laughs> till 30 no commercials And it was like Charlotte Ayana was like the, she's the female lead. I don't, I don't even know that she acts anymore. I was kind of looking up her CV and it seems like she kind of hasn't done anything in a while, but I remember being super engaged with her performance. Like she's very um, impressionable in the movie and kind of really gets her life ruined by Jack, the Adrian Brody character, um, Though she has her own agency, which needs to be said, obviously. No, but, and but... it's
1: a specific part I mean, that all of what you just said is like a very, I think, notably interesting thing about this movie, particularly the agency. Like she's making her own decisions. I think the one thing I had a slightly hard time with is is straight up just watching it like as an adult versus like someone who's like in their twenties or or maybe like, you know, 15 or something like that, where you can watch something and like, and really kind of, um, and really kind of just, you know, it's hard, it was harder for me to watch this as an adult and look at these characters and not be like, you guys just need to like go to therapy or something. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, which obviously is not the point of the movie. Well, and I think, uh, no, and I think, I mean, look, I think,
0: I think Brody, I think he kind of, alludes to as much in the interview right he basically says there's a cathartic nature to that movie he made it as a young man yeah. it's about young people yeah. he relate he says he related to it as a young person who grew up and as
1: and as he mentions you know like in that the, world
0: to some degree yeah. the
1: the jack jack character uh jack grace is that his name
0: yeah right jack now. grace
1: yeah. uh good name uh yeah. It it is a despicable character. Like it's it's. I kind of was yeah. laughing to myself watching it because the first time, and I don't know if you mentioned this. But well,
0: and I always. I mean, you you hear in the interview. I I'm always. I try to be considerate when talking with actors about their characters because so often, and of course, understandably, actors don't play perceive their the, characters as a well. They can play the they, most despicable yeah. characters, but as part of their occupation, find the inn of right. that character. So, yeah. you know, like I m- remember Russell Crowe got very defensive about uh, playing Roger Ailes and I remember yeah. f- being like, yeah, I mean, if you got to play Roger Ailes for 10 hours, right, like, you, got you know, it. like it's your job not, as
1: the actor to find the yeah, empathy. Yeah, 10
0: hours, that, and... 10 hours of the viewers watching, which is hundreds of days probably on set, right. mind you, right? So it's like, you got to really find something about that dude that's, I mean, approaching redeem- redeemable, I don't, right. you know, right, right. and so I think uh, you can tell I'm soft-shoeing it,
1: and he, I appreciated that he was like, "No, no, let's see. We can like say the guy was this, no, and one it, he is." And, and, and yeah. it's, it's, and again, that's like not a knock. It, I think it's a very good performance. It's not a knock on that. It's, it is Definitely, just more. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's easier as a younger viewer to work around those things, sure. Uh, versus an adult where you can just decide you don't like a character and and. And it I think how much you care from then on out in terms of what happens to that person uh, is is, you know, can be tenuous. Right. And I think that's not to say that our characters need to be likable by any means, like they can all be unlikable. And that's totally fine, because that's as he mentions in the interview, that's sort of. That's how people are, right? It's like you know, it's just the way. Well, and
0: you're, right, I mean, but. look, you're right. I mean, you know, as I
1: was rewatching it, um,
0: I had similar thoughts. We, we were talking about before we record, we press record. Um, it reminds me a little of. Um, I love Hemingway. I loved Hemingway as a young man. You know, you read <laughs> "The Sun Also Rises," sure, "A Farewell to Arms," "Old Man in the Sea." across the river and through the trees well, you know i'm trying. i'm thinking of the books that i've read i know ne- i never i never got to for whom the bell tolls mm. um one one day i will but then you get older and you revisit some of it um even kind of piecemeal and you're a little bit like you know well, like, like what fuck, was this, fuck, fuck this guy fuck this guy you're just bit, right? like, like what was yeah, this guy's you get a little deal? older yeah and you kind of go <laughs> maybe have like maybe have one less drink you know you get a little like you get a little like right
1: you know maybe don't fucking hit the don't hit that person or what you know what i liked what, what i really liked about the movie actually just in those particular cues and it is what i appreciated overall about the movie is that like there's this constant sort of uh there's with with jack in particular there is a constant sort of uh, one step forward, two steps back thing, right? Throughout the whole movie, right? Like just an ebb and a flow of like him, you, you know, he goes and he writes by himself and you're like, oh, he is like trying to figure something out on the side. And like, you know, and I don't know if we explicitly mentioned, but he's sort of like a small time con artist. And they've got this, he's got this ongoing con where they have these, you know, they basically rope uh, international businessmen as marks where they sort of Set them up with call girls, who then you know they that uh, Brody and uh, his partner then essentially break into the hotel room as pol- pretending to be police officers, yeah, yeah. like vice cops. Yeah, 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 and and that's sort of their ongoing scheme. And it's one of those things where obviously it's, mo- it's you know, it's it's apparent from the word go that you're like, OK, well, this isn't going to last, obviously. And that's sort of an ongoing fluctuation throughout the movie. But one of the things I loved about the way <laughs> they tee up uh, Jack in the movie is that if you ever want to immediately let me know whether or not I'm supposed to like a character and I am a movie viewer, right, I am in right. a movie audience. The best way to do that is have that person talk on a phone in a movie theater. Like, oh, God. Yeah. I, it's such a good introduction because it's I, especially obviously if you're a movie goer, you're just like, oh, yeah, OK, I'm not supposed to like this guy because he just yeah, 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 is yeah. out the gate like just talking like he, he granted i guess he gets up and walks out yeah like but he does get solid, up but yeah, after, after solid, too long like, yeah after a solid, like 45 seconds of being on the phone and talking very loudly but yeah you know so to
0: to the point it was i thought we chose wisely oh um, sure
1: yeah i agree
0: in terms of the b side glove the hard way it's on 2b that it's a great, like watch it right yeah, you know what i mean right like there. it just it's just one of those yeah. you know like we, like we briefly talked about there was a boom in the early aughts for indies, not unlike this. Some of them popped, a lot of them didn't. Love the Hard Way, you know, obviously didn't. Though, you know, who knows? Like back then, you could get deals. You know, hey, it played on Encore. You could, you, know, get you could August make deals. money back. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm more like a hidden prophet, trust it. (laughs) Um, but like, you know, I mean, you know, one of my all time favorite movies is Half Nelson, which is 06, and like kind of the end of that little boon, you know, that was Half Nelson was a think film film, and think film went under not long after Half Nelson came out, and um. You know that's that was that time Warner Warner Independent, right? Like yeah. our our buddies, our buddies uh, at over at Almost Major Podcast, yeah. they talk about a lot of those movies, like mid major stuff, right? I'm those movies don't really get made the, the same way.
1: I'd be curious to look at the other movies because uh, I I can't remember another time I saw Kino International in front of a in front of a movie
0: oh yeah it, we'd have to look it up and yeah. i just
1: i and i say this sort of part of out of my own ignorance like i sort of would love to see like what you know what else was produced under that banner um because it is it does feel like something that w- this and 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 uh, adrian mentions as much in the interview but like this does feel very much like a kind of melting pot of a movie in terms of its director but it's adapted from you know uh it's adapted from Japanese source material um, and things like that. can I that, ask so- a question? We said Japanese, and I didn't want to
0: – I meant to correct him. I think it's actually – Is it Chinese? I believe it's Chinese oh. um, because – let me just make sure. Um, yeah, so the name of the novel is mm-hmm. Iban Shi Hyo Yan, Yiban Shi ahai su- Sui. Right, so it's a like two phrases. I I don't know that I can I can maybe throw that in a translator. But the it's by Chinese writer Wang show So I would assume, right, it's a Chinese not not right? Novel, yeah, yeah. right? Sure, so, sure. so I think I think Adrian said Japanese, but he, he he was trying to remember, right? So I think he just kind of, um, and I meant to actually jump in and kind of just correct for the record. So, so just for here, we'll say yeah. So so he, but anyway, to your point, yeah, like all that source material, you know, he said Peter Sayre, who sadly has passed, directed the movie, and it was a thing they worked on together and kind of getting it made. Um, stuff we didn't get into we briefly kind of alluded to you know the acid tones of the you know I. it, it feels like digital film
1: cinematography yeah, to me I think it was shot on film but it does it does uh, it has like acid
0: tones to it yeah
1: I wasn't I wasn't entirely sure about that because I it does feel like early digital but then I saw a couple cigarette burns here and there um, and, and little oh art, you're right little, there were little, cigarette little burns artifacts yeah. that would indicate it was film but you're right i I wasn't entirely sure about that but it is definitely and we mentioned this i mean i think it is definitely certainly above all else an interesting like new york artifact of just a a a very specific purgatorial kind of in between time uh in in new york cinema and new york on screen um and then he does briefly near the end of the interview he mentions detachment as another movie he likes a lot which i oh yes for sure great i think great b side of his um
0: that movie is very good and i was happy he brought it up because yeah tony k who you know tony k you might not know tony k directed american history x um but you know uh fairly well documented uh there was a lot of Trouble once they got into the editing phase of that film to the point that Tony K tried pretty hard to get his name taken off the picture. Um, ultimately, the cut that exists is not the cut. I don't think Tony K, you know, would say it's his, and I think you know Ed Norton, Edward Norton, I think, had to ultimately take control of it. Um, You hear different stories. Edward Noren has gone on the record more recently kind of about the process and and said it was not as contentious as it seemed, which, you know, I think that's his, you know, he has every right to whatever his story is. And that, hey, it could be as true as anything else. Right. But I think in the moment, Tony K got a little, this is, you know, 20 plus years ago, he was, um. It was contentious right in the post-production process. But look, Edward Norton got an Oscar nomination for it. And then Tony K did go on to make other movies. But yeah, Detachment, of course, kind of sadly doesn't really come out. Um, uh, But it's very good. A great uh, movie about teaching. I mean, he Agent Brody was right about everything he was saying. I mean, when you watch that movie, it really renders... The kind of Kafka esque like trials you have to go through in a lot of American public school teaching scenarios, and I think uh, he plays this once idealistic and slowly fading, you know, teacher who's like trying to hold on. It's almost like the Kevin Spacey line from uh, L.A. Confidential, like. You know, why would you become a cop? I don't remember. It's almost like you're you're seeing that happen to Adrian Brody's character as a teacher. Like, why would you become a teacher? And he's kind of maybe beginning to forget. Um. So that's a huge recommend. Yeah, and then yeah, James
1: kinda, Khan is in that too. Right? James Con's right. yeah. great
0: in it. Yeah. yeah, and and um Christina Hendricks is in it. Very good. And um. And then you know we briefly mentioned Cadillac Records I brought up that's a movie that's I think crazy underrated. I think that was a movie that like kind of un- it was unfortunate like it came out I want to say 09. Yeah. And it was like not Dreamgirls right? It was like mm-hmm. it came out a year or two after Dreamgirls, you know, 5 years after Ray, 4 years after Walk the Line and I just think it like it maybe was sold the wrong way cuz it's 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 more down to earth in all those movies, it's like it's about chess records. Yeah, so it's about like Leonard Chess and his wife. It's in that that's uh, Brody and I believe it's Emmanuel Shariki is his wife in the movie and, and the chess the chesses the couple they were they were essential in getting a lot of like Etta James Muddy Waters. I th- I want to say Jeffrey Wright plays Muddy Waters. I think like they they were essential in getting a lot of those records cut and, 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 and released. And there are some great scenes in that movie where you have Beyonce playing Etta James. Right. And they kind of imply that Leonard Chess and Etta James had a, some sort of an unrequited love to some degree. And at the end, of, I may I'm spoiling it, but it's, I want, I, I haven't seen it in a while. As um, we're towards the end of the film, She's singing at last, and she's like looking at Leonard Chess while she's singing it, and like Adrian Brody's like like tearing up while she does it. It's real good. I, if that I mo- recall, that movie I could is good. be
1: wrong. I think I have it burned into my brain seeing that exact moment as the clip, as like the yeah,
0: like that's like probably awar- true awards clip. Um, yeah, Cadillac Records. Yeah, Dar- and Darnell Martin is. I just want to say is the writer director who uh, she's a very underrated, um, uh, director who's, who's, he's been working forever. And I just, yeah, it's that's just one of those movies. If we had had more time, uh, I said this earlier, I would have loved to have talked with him about that movie because it's just one of those ones. I guarantee you, if you watch it, you'll be like,
1: Oh yeah, this is good. If I was a betting man, I feel like part of what maybe undid that movie a little bit was that I, I believe that's a year after isn't that the year after Walk Hard, or like the same year? Well, that's a good
0: point. I'm actually just con- I'm confirming now. I think you're right. I think it's 08. Actually,
1: I think it, I think both come out in 08. And I to, feel to like it, I feel like you know. I mean, it's kind of funny that we're even still making. It's made certain... it, you know just
0: to say it's made a decent amount on DVD sales, which that's nice. There you go. Um, so it came out. Yeah, it came out um, in 08, and just to confirm. Yeah, late, Yeah, December, like an awards release, December 08. Probably too, I would bet you, too late, right, to to capture the awards. And obviously just didn't make enough. And then Walk Hard came out in Standby as the numbers loads. Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, comes out December of 07. So a year apart.
1: Right, right. And yeah. so I, I just feel like it's one of those things where you're like,
0: you know. And uh, you never pay for drugs.
1: <laughs> not. Once,
0: not once.
1: (laughs) Do you hear what I just said? But, uh, Uh, but anyway, so but Tim
0: Meadows isn't
1: in Cadillac records, he's not in Cadillac uh, records, nor is he in detachment, nor is he in Love (laughs) the Hard Way or Clean, uh, for that matter. Um, but, uh, I will say Clean does have Clean has, um, uh, Fleshler Mike is his name Michael Fleshler I want to get it right.
0: Yes, um, let me make sure uh but you
1: keep going. But he uh, you, you you're talking about are talking about the gangster. Yeah, he's like he's like an the villain of the piece is you know, he's like an HBO veteran. He was in True Ted, Det- the first season of True Detective. Uh, his name, his name is uh Glenn. Glenn Fleshler. Thank you so Glenn much. Fleshler, yeah, yeah. Glenn Fleshler. Yeah. He's a great character actor. You his get- his character's
0: name in the movie is Michael. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Um, and he's great, I thought. Um, it's a nice look. Great actor. Yeah, uh, great, great in the movie, a great
0: gangster performance. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um and yeah, I mean and, it is definitely like I one one thing I meant to ask him about. But we kind of ran out of time was just like or I was curious about is. You know what what having to give a performance looks like when you're also wearing all the other hats, you know, like certainly you see oh, yeah. people who direct themselves and act or they produce an act and or maybe they wrote and are acting or whatever, but. How how all of those things tied together? Kind of, I'd, I'd be curious to know how all those things tied together. Then then informs the score, even right? Like like, well, especially because yeah. he
0: hasn't done that much of it, right? Like right like like like. It, so Brody and we didn't get into this, but he did document the building of a house in upstate New York. Um, that was a documentary he co-directed. Um, that I don't know that's ever properly come out, but um, he, that's pretty well documented. He's talk about he's talked about that in other interviews. Um, but that's his own that's his only really lingering director credit, and then otherwise, like, other than like collaborating on something like Love the Hard Way, where like he's very you know personally involved or what have you, like 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 many actors, like this is the first time he's really kind of as he said like producing writing right. he's, he's got a lot I of, mean so he's got yeah. a lot
1: of plates spinning and I was just curious to know like do, you know he's giving the performance before he scores but then does the performance then inform the score you know the way it would for anybody who's composing a piece of music for a movie or is it purely like is there something else that's there because he's putting both into the same thing into each thing right like mm. uh, which I was curious about but it is um Yeah, it's a it's a good tight little movie. I think Um, definitely, you know, the comps you make, I think, are 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 good ones in terms of just that whole oh, like Ghost Dog, and yeah, that whole subgenre of the sort of uh, well, like it's like it's like you know, know, it's like
0: Le Samurai, right? Like you know, the the hitman. He's not a hitman in this movie, really, but it's like it's like it's like a drifter with a dark past, kind of. It's like the penitent man with the past who um, lives in his own regret, right? It's like, it's like in the existential dread of that. I mean, it's such a ripe setup and it's why it's been made into many good movies just because it's just, you know, there's a direct line to your demise, right? Which everybody can, you know, relate to you know you don't have to be a killer or a hitman or a criminal to relate to it that's the whole point right i mean that's why these movies work right so i think obviously adrian brody understands that and um and i think you know there's obviously a certain amount of pride in the fact that he was even able to get it made and you know highlight like we said highlight utica which is cool i always appreciate that you know like it's nice when a movie can have a specific you know like out of sight in detroit sure. right or right. like you know um um even even like nightmare alley in buffalo but fully which,
1: capitalizing on like buffalo yeah and
0: i don't think you're yeah. i don't know are you meant to know it's buffalo and nightmare Alley? i can't really remember i think you i think you are i think you are yeah. but either way that almost doesn't matter the point being like Utilizing that space f- for itself right, in its not, very not, idiosyncratic not it ways, as something else, right, 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 and it's like even if they're not like shoving it in your face, right, yeah. they're not telling you it's something else, right? Um It's you know, like even Utica in clean,
1: even character in the movie, even, well,
0: because even in clean, I don't think they're shoving it down your face. It's Utica, but like you'll just you'll see the city. Sure. You know, like yeah. Utica Bank or whatever, you know, yeah, but like yeah, yeah. they're not like shoving it in your face. But you could very well
1: and even, you know, if you weren't even really picking up on those tiny little sort of environmental details, you 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 could maybe be forgiven for just assuming like, oh, is this in Detroit? Or so, like, do you know what I mean? Like, you well, and it's it, like you it's know, got a I, sort of nebulous, yeah. cold, snowy uh, thing. Going well, and it's
0: like, out, it's, yeah, it's I cool. mean, look, I grew up in Poughkeepsie, right, which is a town an hour plus north. It's the last stop on the train out of Grand Central in New York City, and literally, if you go north on the on the on the on the, on the um, what is it, the Hudson Line? Right? Am I crazy? Yeah. That the last stop is Poughkeepsie, right? And it's like that's a city, right? It's like, you know, is it? it's a few blocks compared to like, you know, metropolises, but like, there's like a whole world there. There's like a whole world of criminals and people, families trying to get through the day. And it's like, I, I would imagine it would, if you filmed clean in Poughkeepsie, it would look wholly different, you know, but also very similar, right? And I think um, that stuff's interesting. And we don't ever we don't really talk about that a lot, but I think, it's worth talking about. I mean, it's always just nice, and and, and can, can add something.
1: I think it can add something. And I, to I think movie. it allows. I think it also allows, the, you know, them to weave in just little bits and pieces of, you know, uh, class and race commentary and all all those kinds of things without really hitting you over the head with it. It's and and certainly not necessarily trying to. It's not like it's a movie that's trying to be about too many things. It's it's all it's just kind of peppered with like an appropriate amount of like you know these other little things to chew on while it gives you like a nice sort of tight little genre piece, I think.
0: Yeah, and so Definitely a recommend from me. Um, Like I mentioned in the interview, my review of it is currently up on the film stage uh, as you're listening. So check that out if you want to know a little bit more about the film. Um, I'm trying to think other highlights. Um, We're going to keep this episode quick today. Um, Other Brody highlights um, as I look at his filmography. I mean, these are not B-sides, but he's obviously great in all the Wes Anderson movies. Obviously, what I love about his ongoing collaboration with Wes Anderson is he always plays the cad like he's always even in Darjeeling
1: I was gonna say his I mean if if, one of his best performances yeah if we
0: were to talk heart heart and soul Darjeeling yeah he's yeah my 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 personal favorite um Wes Anderson movie
1: and it's probably I would argue it's probably maybe my favorite performance in any Wes Anderson movie
0: Yes, and I in yeah. Had we had more time, obviously not a B side, but but he's so lovely in that movie. But like, but even in that movie, you have Owen Wilson's character. Obviously, had had the suicide attempt in in the movie, um, you know. Which anyway, um, but his character, there are moments of darkness in that film that linger around um peter which is adrian brody's character yeah and, but then but then in but then even as the roles got more supporting he's oh he's like some version of a villain which he's i was like in
1: french dispatch is, oh yeah very yeah. good as like, the, as like the he's like because he's funding yeah he's funny which is yeah so good so good he's yeah he's and the, like when he because
0: uh, what's i exactly mean this right. is a spoiler or whatever where he's like Benicio makes a fresco, and he's like, "You did it! You, you, you fuck! You made a fresco!" He's like looking at the wall, it's so good. Um, and he's so good in Budapest Hotel. I mean, yes, yeah. So I mean, that's such an outrageous performance. But anyway, those are easy recommends, obviously. Yeah.
1: And then I would also recommend. I mean, we covered it uh way back when when we did our Avengers episode, and we talked about Mark Ruffalo. He's great in The Brothers Bloom, um. Oh God! Opposite right. Mark Ruffalo. My God! How
0: did Brady's we have lives. Adrian Brody on our podcast? And no, you, we didn't. Talk I about wanted Brody. to mention it, but
1: I also wasn't sure if he would consider it a B side because it is. I guess I it's think, not because it's Ryan Johnson. But my God, I think it's Johnson, a little, right, God, it's a little less so now because yeah, because Ryan Johnson is who he is. Uh, that said, since a controversial plays, choice, since the dude plays so well in ensembles, get him in one of the Knives Out sequels. You know what I mean? Oh like, God, I would love that. Seriously. Um, but uh, yeah, so I you know Brothers Bloom always a recommend from me. I I have a great fondness for that movie. But um, a
0: movie, a movie that's crazy uh, that I would recommend just because you are never probably going to see another movie like it. You 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 can guess which one, right, Connor? I I'm curious to know
1: which one you're going to say. I... Splice. Oh, okay. I. <laughs>
0: you remember splice? That movie That's not
1: uh, what I thought you were going to say. I thought. You oh were gonna no! Gonna what did you think
0: I was going to say? Well, yeah, I mean, so another, what would have been another great avenue to talk about with Adrian Brody on another podcast would have been, (laughs) he's a great example. You know, he wins the Oscar for the pianist and it's a shock, right? If you remember, like, that might be one of the, that's like right there with Marissa Tomei in terms of like shocking Oscar wins where it was like, he broke a tie by all accounts. Like you don't know what the voting numbers were, but like, like nobody thought he was going to win. Right. Like, and then he won total surprise, but you know, anytime you win, it's that thing of like, okay, what are you doing next? And it's always interesting to see what they do next. And it's really, those next few years are very interesting. Cause it's like, he's in the village, a very specific type of performance, right. Which that movie's been reappraised. um I would love to hear him talk about that performance you know 17 18 years later just to see what he thinks of it like because it's just such a specific there's so many specific choices a lot being of made, choices. made there yeah sure yeah which you know for yeah. better or worse and then the jacket is like a very in a lot of ways it's a very straightforward psychological like Thriller but then also not right and it's like Keira, it's Kira Knightley coming off of her Like, she's becoming huge. It's him. Early Daniel Craig. Early D. Craig. That same year, he's in King Kong, his big Hollywood movie. Um, The next year, he's in Hollywoodland, which you want to talk about underrated performances great performance yeah. he's great, great performance. in hollywood land yeah. and
1: that was ben affleck's actually Viet i'm kind more of, annoyed i didn't bring up hollywood land than i am brothers, brothers. that would i would say that's a b-side yeah yeah 100 and Hollywoodland, alan Coulter's hollywood land
0: hollywood land and even and he's like a b-side in the b-side because his character is the lead but you re, but but because of the way it was covered and reviewed you remember you remember Ben, ben Affleck, Affleck playing George? I mean,
1: honestly, probably Ben Affleck, Diane Lane, and Bob Hoskins before,
0: you know, yeah, before before
1: Adrian Brody. But it's yeah. unfair because no, Brody great, is, I think, really good in that.
0: And then you had Darjeeling. Obviously, we talked about Brothers Bloom, Cadillac Records. Um, you know, and then he starts making kind of an array of films. He's, he, I always think he's actually quite hysterical. Salvador Dali in Midnight yeah, Paris. Agreed, agreed, um, yeah. Um, And then, yeah, more recent stuff, we kind of mentioned, right? He's got one interesting thing. He's got Blonde coming up, which is the new Andrew Dominic, where he plays the playwright, which would be Arthur Miller, uh, for those who know the story of Norma Jean, um, a.k.a. Marilyn Monroe. Um, And I believe Bobby Cannavale plays the athlete. Or the baseball player, whatever is the which is obviously Joe DiMaggio. DiMaggio, Which if anybody was born to play the character, (laughs) Bobby Cannavale
1: playing Joe DiMaggio feels like
0: you shot Derek
1: (laughs) Jeter. I mean, it's 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 like it's the only other one is is Val Kilmer as uh, Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison, yeah, exactly. And in a weird way, Val Kilmer is Elvis. Oh, sure. Right. <laughs> Two years, uh, a year later.
0: <laughs> I always like to, I like you, Clarence. Always, always have. Always will. Always will. Um, And that's kind of it. I yeah. think we were saying before, kind of a sneaky B-side MVP. You know, we've talked a little bit about like, I think one of our buddies, Nick, asked us or somebody like B-side MVPs. And we talked about, yeah, Matt Damon comes to mind because he's been in so many small movies small roles sometimes cameos and whatnot but but brody would be one who now i would think of because you know like
1: you can i'm sure to anybody listening like we rattle off these movies and seriously and you and you might if you're someone who has followed his career or watched movies he's been in you might be like well that's not a b-side but it's like it's maybe that's only because you're paying attention you know what i mean like it's like yeah. It it's uh it's it's an interesting thing, and definitely like you mentioned in the interview, just a very eclectic career. Um
0: so yeah. and he's obviously gonna be in Asteroid City, which is the next West. And you know, he's just he's making, he's out there, he's making money. He's putting his money into projects, obviously like clean. So it's exciting. I'm happy we were able to talk with him. Um, I, I would love to know. get him back. I would love to just talk, Adrian. If you're listening, if you're
1: listening, you know, come back when Asteroid City comes out or Blonde
0: it. comes out. Pop on for a 45er, and we'll talk about the post Oscar, the post Oscar run. Um, so yeah, just as we're wrapping, um, wanted to shout out. Uh, fathom my story podcast season three has begun again has begun it's back it's back and our first story is honesty is the best policy which is written and directed by my friend and colleague richie Filippi. and we've been getting a lot of i gotta say a lot of listens quickly a lot of kind of good reactions i have to say uh which is really heartening it's a good, Um, good yeah it's good Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Richie does a great job. Um, it's, it's, it's an ode to scream, right? Kind of as a scream five or scream 2022, whatever they're calling (laughs) it is, 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 is getting, uh, is getting pretty good notices, I think. Um, and, um, Give it a listen. It's on wherever you listen to podcasts, Fathom, F A T H O M. Um and we'll be doing it monthly, so I got a I got a you know what I got? You know what I got coming up? I got a deal with the devil story coming up.
1: Ooh, love the I got a little
0: deal with the devil yeah, story coming up. A little up. written by thing? me, little Faust. Written and, yeah, written and directed by me, starring to more talented voice actors, obviously. Um very faustian, yes, a faustian backyard barbecue uh little story. Um so that i just wanted to plug that obviously my review of cleans up uh all the sundance stuff dig into that i think we reviewed every freaking movie that was there uh or damn near all of them um and yeah dj mecca on twitter um you know uh that's it uh and connor over to you for for uh our final brody
1: yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scruffy Look, and you can find this podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFS B-Side. If you like what you've heard here, please rate, review, and subscribe it uh, wherever you are listening. It helps us a great deal. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, any suggestions, you can shoot us an email uh, at bside, B-S-I-D-E, at thefilmstage.com and uh as we've mentioned you know uh or you know you may hear on sort of forthcoming episodes we have a bunch of cool things in the pipe uh some that we've already recorded that'll be dropping some we've yet to record we'll we'll have our final audience choice from last year dropping with Paul Newman uh featuring lovely guest Roxana Hadati um and then we also have uh coming up our Interview with Joe Wright, director of the forthcoming Cyrano, which is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we are also in the midst, as we're recording, of prepping for an episode on Ethan Hawk with uh, with the excellent Luke Hicks. So can't wait. Th- Those will all be happening. And, you know, we're, we're back for 2022. And uh, look, you know, as, as some would say, the Brody plays. Oh, man. The Brody good. plays. That was good. <laughs>